Welcome to Food and Loathing, where we know that fat means flavor, and I'm getting more flavorful by the day. <laughs> I'm your host, Al Mancini, with Chef Rick Moon and co-hosting, and the little engineer who could, Rich Johnson. Fat means flavor. I think I'm right up to waifu status by now. <laughs> Are you an A5? That's the question. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you are not the, um, well, we'll get to the snow beef momentarily. But in the meantime, yes, welcome to Food and Loathing. We're coming to you, as always, from the only place on earth where people would build an artificial lake with choreographed dancing fountains in the middle of a desert, then cover it up with a stage so the football players would have a chance to take a bow after being drafted <laughs> and finding out they're going to be billionaires. Brilliant! Oh, <laughs> gentlemen, yes, I am talking about fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, and the draft is here. Honestly, before I moved to Las Vegas, the draft was just something I remember seeing in those old movies about Vietnam. Yeah, right. Exactly. Hey, <laughs> they as, have cards. As, still? As, as, <laughs> do they have cards? As someone who had a number that was 38 and was going to go until the draft got repealed. Uh, it's Thanks for breath. reminding me. See, I don't even know how it works because I was not quite that old. Um, yeah. But damn, this draft is a big deal. People all excited oh, and huge. taking over oh, yeah. the town. Yeah. yeah, man, it's incredible. I mean, it's bringing in more people than CES and all the other things combined. It looks like they can't even they can't even figure out how to count or uh, project because it's the first time here. Yeah, you yeah. know, and in previous years, there's other areas, and they they just bullshit their way about how many people came in and out of their <laughs> their uh, their town. So. Vegas is uh, prepared for the best and the worst. I Which means it's going to be a bitch finding a place to eat this weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Not on the Strip. And, and, <laughs> and there apparently are prop bets because, you know, Vegas uh, traditionally does not allow bets that are based on a human decision or judging. Right. But uh, for somehow with parlays or props, it, it, it works out. But they all have to stop 24 hours before the draft, so by the time you well, by the time you hear this, not only will the props have been stopped, the draft will have begun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, um, all I know is it's going to be a bitch. I've got a publisher in town this weekend. I think I have to go out with him and talk about writing for his book. And I've got no idea where we're going to eat. And when uh -huh. you're the guy whose job is to find the place to eat, wow, that's a lot of pressure. Neighborhoods, so, um, baby, neighborhoods. If y'all are listening to this and you're a chef, I may need to call in a favor <laughs> this weekend. You can do it. Uh, but the draft is ahead of us. What's in our rearview mirror? We always love to keep you informed on what we've been doing because it's usually a way to keep you up to date on what the Las Vegas PR teams have been <laughs> hyping, pushing, plying us with free alcohol, decadent bites, <laughs> as they try to convince us that their clients are newsworthy. Love it or hate it, that's the way Las Vegas operates. I'm just here to give you an insider's vantage point. Rick, yeah. you and I have been to a couple of events together with yeah. varying degrees of success. <laughs> so I feel I should let you start this thing off, and I'll, oh, I'll back boy. clean up. That's a that's a baseball expression, right? I'll back clean yeah. up. Yeah, at the end. But um, Rick, yeah. let's talk about some of the things yeah. we've done or you've done. Hell of a week, Al. Yeah, we got together and it was kind of fun. Not not kind of. It was great. You know, we met uh, at the Win. You know, and they have their trio of uh, cocktail uh, lounges and areas at the Overlook. You know, just at the top of the two spiral staircases that go down to SW Steak and, and the lakeside, right? But above it, there's a nice place. We had cocktails. They were well choreographed, bumped into some cool people, enjoyed it, went home. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. Well, but, no, and, and let's give a little bit of follow-up on that. I want okay. to give people the prop the proper on that because um, we yep. do have a cut of marina that I'm going to get in right right yep. here right now. So we'll play that. But um, just so you know, the Win, Win has this new cocktail collective. Mm -hmm. It's hard not to see it as kind of oh, wow. being a challenge to the Venetia Palazzo Cocktail Collective. Right? Cocktail but, Collective. But I finally found a word I hate more than program. Program? Yeah. <laughs> well, no. See, when, when numerous places share the same program, they are, in fact, a collective, a collective. perhaps. Okay. I don't know. We're making up this vocabulary as we go along, but what the fuck? If I'm not going to do it, who is? You got it's it, my man. job. I am the arbiter of language Pour here. salt on that slug, brother. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, No, they have three great cocktail lounges. They're all overlooking that Lake of Dreams, which is that man-made lake in the yeah. back of wind. Um, there's a little bit of a, there's a waterfall there, a little head bit of a show, out. heads pop the out. Singing frog. Yeah, yeah, I've never quite gotten it, but it is beautiful. It's very tranquil. Um, they always used to have Parasol Up and Parasol Down mm -hmm. were the two cocktail lounges. Right. What they have now, and it opened in the midst of COVID, was um, the Overlook Lounge, right. up where Parasol Up used to be, I believe, the same space. And it's gorgeous. I've, we've spoken about that on this. They've now rounded that out with, when you go down Downstairs, there is Parasol Bar, which is where Parasol Lounge used to be, and then outside is the aft. 
gift, which is, well, Marina will tell you about how they designed that. But they all, they're beautiful. They all overlook the water. Um, they all have cocktails by Marina Mercer Borini, who, in my opinion, one of the best mixologists in this town. Mm -hmm. She invented that crazy verbena that makes your mouth go nuts over at the Cosmopolitan during her time over there. She's not afraid to color outside the lines, that's for sure. That's what I like about her. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. So I spoke to Marina a bit about the collective, what she did for it. Let's just play what she has to say. Marina, explain, first of all, explain why we're here today trying out these various cocktails, because I know they're not all new. So, so what have you rolled out? What's new here? What's exciting for people that haven't been to Vegas in a while? I feel like this is Groundhog Day because I do remember when we opened Overlook, we went over these cocktails. But we do have our cocktail collection on the Lake of Dreams, um, which are three different concepts. So our two new concepts downstairs is uh, Bar Parasol and Aft Cocktail Deck, um, both designed by Todd Avery Lenahan, our Chief Creative Officer, who's also done Overlook. Um, so these are kind of a collection of bars. Uh, we're launching all new cocktails. This is still the same menu up here, um, but the additions are kind of seaside-inspired cocktails. Uh, they are on the most beautiful uh, Lake of Dreams here in Las Vegas at the Wynn. Uh, so it's just, a, uh, the aft is inspired by a yacht. Um, an aft deck is a, uh, apparently where the parties are on the, on the yacht. So it's this beautiful uh, design out there and all the cocktails, I think, hopefully just kind of color in the lines of that experience. Cool. Um, any specific inspirations that you drew in designing the the yacht type? I mean, first of all, okay, I guess I have to ask this. Have you been on a lot of private yachts? And um, have you bartended or consumed on your own on a lot of private yachts? And if so, did you draw inspiration? I'm so, no, I'm still waiting for that invite. <laughs> um, um, but no, the, all of the cocktails are inspired by different glamorous travel locations. So we have... Um, uh, can, which is the uh, champagne sour inspired by the south of France. Um, Catalina, which is this verdant uh, Bloody Mary that's a green Bloody Mary mix uh, with this kind of colossal shrimp on the side. Um, everything is in uh, Capri. You know, everything is inspired by travel. Each cocktail is named after a destination and all of the ingredients kind of tell that story. Okay, so there's Marina. There's Wynn. We had a great time. I had a great time. We saw lots of cool people. You want to get to some other things we've done this week, Rich? Uh, 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 so I got a, an email asking me if I wanted to participate in the greatest thing that's going to take place in downtown Las Vegas this year. It's a taco throwdown type thing, and it's paired up with a beer company, I believe. I, I, well, it was Great Vegas Festival. Great Vegas. And it's always been the Great Vegas Festival of Beers. It's by Motley Brews. Mm -hmm. We had Brian on to talk all about it. And then yep. um, Friday was a taco, a taco and tiki cocktail throwdown was Friday night. Mm -hmm. That was a lead-in to Saturday great tasting grand tasting groovy tasting some shit like that you know right, right. but um but it was a fantastic giant <laughs> yeah. tasting massive event on saturday you you were asked to was, come in on friday I, I was actually asked to participate in other words compete in this and i'm like i don't have a home restaurant. I mean, no i don't yeah, want to do that i said you know i really can't do this uh, every time I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll i'll judge if you wish and she it gets back to me about two weeks later and says yeah well if you're still available we'll let you judge so great Happy to do it. I mean, because it connects me to the, the everybody, you know. So I go down there. I mean, I, I had a couple of things going on just before it, and I get downtown, and I park, and hard for me because I'm stupid. And then I get in there, and nobody knows who you are, what's going on. You finally get in there, pass, wristband, and I'm looking around. No no one's coming in yet, so I'm looking at all the different booths and everything. I don't recognize anybody. I'm like, oh, I don't know. We really know these people, you know, because I don't go to those uh, places. Not that they're not good, not that they're not well-known. I don't want to disrespect anybody. I personally didn't know anyone. That's unusual for me. So I'm like, hmm, must be getting old. So uh, the queue comes in. The people start flooding in. The line start lining up. I bump into my ex-wife and his, his girlfriend, <laughs> girlfriend. Not a good sign. So I'm like, okay. here. The, and these lines are just getting enormous. So I, I finally you know, want to know where am I supposed to be? Where am I judging? You're, you're, I expect the table and they're presenting them to you and you're writing down things, you know? Mm -hmm. So then I finally get uh, in touch with Mr. Gladstone, a good guy, great guy. No, I'm, I'm not going to put him down at all. And I say, hey, great to see you, you know? And he's like, um, where am I supposed to be? He's like, oh. He hands me this, like, this, this, this. Well, I've got that. This, this thing gigantic is gigantic spreadsheet yeah. of, of, of four pages of paper and says, here you go. I said, well, where do, where do we go? You know, I'm thinking, where's the table? 
And uh, he goes, no, no, you just, you know, just taste the tacos. Like, 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 walk around, wait in these yeah. lines. I said, you want me to? And wait? it's worth mentioning these lines are massive. And look, that's a problem at any food festival that yeah. you know sometimes the lines are just really fucking long. And these were some long lines. Yeah, and I, and I just, I don't know, I was cranky. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, it was a little cranky. You were definitely point. cranky, but that's okay. So when I said, you want me to wait in these lines, I said, yeah, I handed the paper to Al, and I walked out the door. <laughs> so Al gets drafted Thank to you, serve, as, um, <laughs> serve as judge at this point, right? So, And, you know, I always say, this is always funny, because I always used to say when I would judge the um, the back street, or back of the house brawls, mm-hmm. I'd always get asked last minute when somebody else left early, I've right? Been there, been there. And I was always shit-faced drunk, right? So... Don't really drink these days. That's not a problem. Did eat a big gold gummy right before I walked into the taco. (laughs) (laughs) And I was all like, hey, man, I'm going to be out socializing. I got no work to do. I'm going to get a little high. Why not? Right, man? It's legal in Las Vegas. Why the hell not? I'm a grown ass man. And then Rick. I handed this dossier of crap. I'm like, no. Oh, my. Oh, so. I got to read? (laughs) No, no, no. It was work, man. It was a lot of work because it's just, this was a poorly organized spreadsheet, I will say. It's printed out. There's. We've got meat ones under the under the, yeah. the vegetarian. vegetarian and you know all kinds of weird shit and um so it it was a pain in the dick i will tell you the lines were long but i don't mind cutting into lines like at the end of the day somebody's gonna ask me to do something then i'm gonna get it done right, right, right. so for me that meant i cut to the front of every line was i was lucky <laughs> i knew every chef there so they already know i'm an asshole i right. mean i've already yeah. pissed them all off by being an asshole in their restaurant <laughs> at some point so i just walked back and i said hey chef i got stuck judging throw me whatever you want me to see and then this other judge apparently there's supposed to be three judges one didn't show up rick left early and this other woman whose name i don't know and now there's me right and she's looking at these lines and she's a very nice person apparently doesn't want to butt in doesn't want to do the shit so i just go follow me right so i walk up to every chef yo it's out yeah i know you got a line full of people fuck that you want to get judged give me the food they make one for me hey give one to this woman as well she needs yeah. to judge too right yeah. so yeah. i just kind of took the reins and i was the asshole that i am and we got it and I tried to take good notes. We went in the back and we powwowed and I would say that there were only two judges. It was a little tough. Some of my favorites didn't win in any category and I want to shout out especially because her her points on them just weren't high enough. You know, right. it ends up a lot of times being a consensus winner for things like that, right? Yep, yep. Um, so, you know, there were some good winners, but I've got to throw out to both um, Jordan and John, our friends from um, Artisanal Food. He, um, John's was one of my few ones that got a perfect score. All right. Didn't win. Jordan's, I think, was one that got the other chef's perfect score, but it didn't really resonate with me as much, <laughs> right? So neither one of them came up in the top. That's fine. But they, they both resonated really well with us and there were some other good ones that, that did well um chef benny velasquez did a kung pao shrimp taco that i loved but in the long run we ended up with some winners and i'm trying to think we had you know jesus i don't even have my winners page here Bridges but i know everywhere. that look at this i mean can you hear this this is just oh it's like taking out a mortgage for your fucking right. house filling out this form i feel like i have to defend myself um, here it's a little yeah, bit you okay. know? not when i'm doing this listen 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 i didn't i didn't mean to leave that in your lap it was just no, no, man. I didn't, know, was... I didn't. I didn't feel good cutting in line. If I know the chefs, like I yeah, know them, yeah. I like, yo, yo. I'm a bigger dick than you. I get it, and I'm also not <laughs> well, as big a, a star as you. So, like, <laughs> I can be inconvenienced more. So that's there all you fair. Go. So, you um, you know, look, Chef Donald Emperor won in the vegetarian. Um, concept Chef, Chef Sam Marvin, excuse me, Marvin. Chef Sam Marvin from Echo and Rig had this snow beef, Hokkaido snow beef, Oof. that he used to make the fattiest beef tacos that yeah. you're ever oh. gonna have in your life. Mm. And I'll tell you more about that snow beef later. He won in the the meat category. We had some other winners. The big winner. Let's just play the tape. Chef Mark Marone. Yeah, Mark Marone from Graffiti Bow took took home the grand prize, and congrats to all the winners. Honestly, it was a fun event. Um, not a fun event to judge, but look, man, I am a lowly servant of all of you fine people, so if you need me to come out and... You got a pain in the dick thing to do. I'll do it for you, man. No problem. As long as it gets my pretty face out there and I can hand out some neon feast cards while I'm doing it, man. Yeah, I'm a pimp. I am pimping for it all, my brother. So I got no problem. Rich, before we get to other shit that I've done this week, why don't you hit Rick, did you have anything else that we need to talk about? Uh, big I went I went to Anima, you know, for dinner. Love I, it there. Had a little meeting there. It's always great. But by Edo, those guys just really have their shit together. I'm, I'm, I'm going back because I don't know you all that long. The I saw my ex 
ex-wife and her girlfriend comment. Oh. Well, see, that reminds me of one of the great lines I always used uh, before <laughs> marriage was, you know, once you go me, you never go back. In fact, you never want to have sex again. <laughs> you might even start looking for convicts. We're, we're not actually talking about a girlfriend. That's just not, not a not a romantic oh girlfriend. not a romantic okay. girlfriend. All right. no, no no it wasn't well i'll cut that whole part out yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i had some fine dining this week at a very familiar place took some friends from seattle to oscars on sunday night had a great time as always chef ben jenkins and his people turn out superior take on the classic steakhouse you know we've talked about a lot of newer places uh with new ideas on Steakhouse, Oscars is not doing Wagyu flights. They're not doing Gold Leaf. They're not doing some of the other fashionable enhancements. It is steaks. It is chops. It is fish, scallops, chicken. Added in the past year to rave reviews, a hamburger to the dinner menu. <laughs> Usual sides, serviceable desserts, and um, not just because they know me. It's a superior service from a veteran staff, so I love okay. love that time. I am since we're we're really just talking shit about people this week. Apparently, <laughs> we've gone away from the nice thing. I will say, y- you hit on something there that I think Oscars in the early days was a bit too proud of. We don't have the wagyu. We don't have the this. Uh, we don't yeah, have yeah. the that. Okay. And when it first opened, I asked. Um, Oscar Goodman, oh, where do you get your beef? He's like, people don't care about that shit. Ah, and he said that to about 100 different people, and it was a bad thing to say. Yes, yes. Yeah. But we all know that Ben is in there now. Ben Jenkins, yeah. great chef. So I'm sure they do care about oh, where their yeah. beef comes it from right definitely now. definitely clicked up so, when Ben took over. Yeah, so let's clarify that, because Oscar was not the best spokesperson no, in no. anything <laughs> except getting wasted. <laughs> and, um, On the martini uh, with the jalapeno. Getting people murder yeah, charges. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Remember when that room used to be a martini glass, and women would and the people swam in it. It was the pool, the, the original pool of the plaza back in 71, 72. When Shaped like a martini up. glass. Yeah. Right? Sort of, yeah, yeah. There's there's pictures in, in some of the hallways in the back of the That's thing insane. of uh, those uh, days. The in the history. leisure suits. Yeah. It was great, man. And the thing was a precursor to the pools these days because it was only about waist, waist deep. Yeah. Uh, National Association of Broadcasters Convention uh, has been in town, so I saw a few old colleagues uh, after we record this, I'm off to dinner at 8 East. And yes, I will be ordering the brisket fried rice, Vital Vegas style. Thank you, <laughs> Woo-hoo. Scott. Uh, and I took a friend to lunch at Bagel Mania. We've talked about that before. The bagels are good. Not quite up to life's a bagel in Summerlin, which is my go-to place. But I had lunch there. I tried the hot pastrami sandwich, and it was as good as anything I've had in New York and L.A. No it way. It was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the twist. The default size is like what a normal human being was would eat, inch, inch and a half thick. But then you can upgrade for about two fifty and get the showy Carnegie Deli size <laughs> thing for your photos and get some Russian dressing and some coleslaw inside. I really like having that choice. As much as I love the big touristy sandwich, sometimes you need to practice a little moderation and bagel mania came to my rescue. Oh, what's happening? Okay, moderation. Good. Moderation. Uh, once this in a great Vegas, while. But baby. you can't be too, you, you don't want to be extreme in your moderation. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right. I, look, we should mention that the Palms is now open for business. Yeah. We Woo-hoo. are recording this just prior to going to their grand opening celebration. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a whole lot next week. Yeah, a whole lot next week. For now, we'll just leave leave it yeah. pretty, because we got a lot that of things. That was a big day. On. Yeah. So, also, though, let's, let's also talk about some other things we did this week. I had not one, but two visits to Vanderpump a Paris, the new spot from Lisa Vanderpump in the Paris, Las Vegas. Uh, they had a, they'd press in for a luncheon a few hours prior to their big grand opening gala. While I wasn't thrilled at making two trips to the place a few hours apart with illumination or whatever that thing's called in between, mm-hmm. it proved to be a good idea because um, the food which I never would have gotten to experience properly at a Bells and Whistles red carpet event um, for whatever the hell network airs Lisa Vanderpump shows. The food was actually quite good. I had a birdcage full of cheese. I had some pastry stuffed with brie and truffle, trio of raw bar items like shrimp ceviche, and they were parsed into gorgeously arranged bites. Uh, Several excellent vegan items. Honestly, high-end cuisine that was not what I would expect. Um, And that's probably my fault because... You know, when I got to ask some questions, I did sort of feel bad for Ms. Vanderpump, or at least for the way that I treated her, I guess. I was trying to be very polite and very nice. But I asked her how she would describe the place to people who perhaps only knew her from TV. And um, while she was really gracious, and we'll play the tape, I'll play the whole tape, but she was quick to point out that it was a strange question since they have over 30 restaurants. And they were doing that long before they did TV. I knew that, and I do know that. I still think it's a fair question to assume that when a celebrity 
even a celebrity chef, even a Gordon Ramsay, even a even a Wolfgang Puck, when they open in Las Vegas, there may be people who don't know what to expect from their food because right. they've only seen them on TV. No, I mean, was that wrong. a mean question? No, not yeah. at all. I don't think so. Highly appropriate. Okay, well, let's play it. Could you just tell people what to expect? People who... Um, who may only know you from television. What should they expect from this restaurant and this bar experience? Oh, wow, that's really funny to me when you say only know me from television. You're right, but I guess it's my 35th restaurant or something like that, maybe even more, actually. Um, it's our passion, and I think design-wise, this just is off the hook. It's been a passion project. It really has, and everything's kind of unique in here. You can't think, oh, I'll buy that over there, because it's all been made for Vanderpump Harry by Vanderpump Elaine. Um, so I think it's very sexy, it's very decadent, and it also has whimsy to it, that playfulness that we love to find in Vegas. Okay, so that was interesting. What I've also found interesting is they spent a lot more time discussing the decor than the food there um, in that cut. So, you know, and yeah. she's all about how beautiful I, the place I, looks. I it, just can't get past birdcage full of cheese. No, Al, <laughs> yeah. Al says they're like, I had a birdcage full of cheese. Yeah, I guess, you know, I'm like, that won't do. hang out there, man. I'm talking about your birdcage right here. Yeah, who I'm, doesn't have a birdcage full of cheese? I'm, eh? I'm birdcaging here. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> I know where you're going. Oh, uh, yes, but the food was quite good. The place looks like Elton John did a lot of acid and, you know, went overboard <laughs> on, his, um, on his decorations, which is not a bad thing in my book. Very bespoke mm-hmm. is the word she, that Ms. Vanderpump used. And nope. look, it's phenomenal. But honestly, the food, much, much better than I was expecting. Very good. I, I enjoyed it. Didn't look at the prices. So I don't know how to tell you how that comes in. So, um, yeah, ask you. I get a feeling it's a little pricey. They, You know, opening night, they didn't have it. Also paid a visit to Gio Morrow's other restaurant, Old School Pizzeria in North Las Vegas, thanks to David Tatlock of the Soul Juice Band. That was cool. And I finally made it into um, New Brunch at Nomad Bar, mm. which kicked off a few weeks ago. Um, a lot of good things. One of those giant champagne cocktails with a bird sticking out of it that you you know you pour out of the spout. Um, pastry card card that looked really good. We had a salmon flatbread with everything bagel seasoning. Had some great scallop ceviche, a croque madame that was done on a more of like a croissant type of deal. Right. So, uh, re- really really good. Um, bananas foster pancake, ice cream and coffee dessert. Standouts for me. Alcohol infused fruit cocktail, I just thought was really cool. If you order the fruit salad or whatever, <laughs> oh, so yeah. about three of the fruits are regular and three of them have just have like, booze spiked like into them. So that was interesting. And they've got the truffle chicken sandwich on the brunch menu at Nomad Bar. Now, a lot of you will know, and I haven't been able to get this whole story, but um, the truffle chicken at the original Nomad was the signature item. It was just under 100 bucks, and people always said, why would you spend 100 bucks on chicken? And I always said, because it's fucking amazing and you could share it. Um, they took that off the menu briefly, and no one would explain to me why. And that was when they parted with Chef Daniel in New York, and right. they went their own way. But that chicken is back on the menu in the main restaurant, and now using some of that leftovers and you know building around it, they do this truffle chicken sandwich Brilliant. during brunch at Nomad Bar. Go in there and get that if you're not going to go into Nomad. Both of these are gorgeous rooms. A Nomad library, Nomad Bar. Yeah. They're, they're a lot of fun. There's usually live music. Um, we didn't have any live music at the day we were there for brunch. The piano player, I guess, was not feeling well, but um, Brian Newman was eating at the table next to us, which is cool. <laughs> so I almost wanted to tell him he should get up and sing. <laughs> Um, okay, so that's about it. I also went into the new Toasted Gastro Brunch. It was great. We've spoken about that a lot in the past. So I think that's about where we are for things we've done. And damn, I think we just filled up a whole fucking episode doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Coming up, we're off to play some video poker. Well, Riches, yeah. while I talk about gambling and eating at a place that is not a casino. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Winner, winner, fireball chicken dinner. Or maybe it's winner, winner, honey garlic roasted chicken dinner. It really depends where you go, but there are actually a lot of great chicken dinners and many, many other delicacies available while you chase a royal flush in your own hood. Thanks to what I believe is a... I think it's a uniquely Nevada phenomenon, the gaming bar and lounge. Um, we're coming to you for this segment from the South Rainbow Boulevard location of Distill, a local bar which has nine Las Vegas outposts, most of which have full kitchens. And we're joined by some members of their kitchen and bar staff, as well as some friends from Jackson's Bar and Grill, which is a family-run gaming bar on West Flamingo Road. And assuming I can keep Rich Johnson away from the video poker machines yeah, long where, enough. Where? where, where yeah, nothing up here. Did you win? Are you up? Uh, no, I think I'll just go play on the register over there to pretend. No, so no, no. stop. we got talking to do. So we're going to be chatting about what makes a great gaming bar and some of the idiosyncrasies of that market. Uh, because I have to tell you, if you're new to Las Vegas, they can seem a little weird. I, I honestly remember, like going out late at night and ringing the doorbell of a bar and it's not open nobody came to the door it was three in the morning i'm sure i was drunk i don't know but you know and i'm like i was like what is this place and actually even before that when i first came here i remember going like to a bar just wanting to go to a bar and i think it was magoo's that i walked into yeah. on tropicana and i looked around and i was like there's nothing going on in here except people playing video poker it can be a weird phenomenon yeah, like because they're open 24 hours people gamble if you're not used to it um you know, you need to get used to it because for a lot of locals, they are the neighborhood watering hole and they're a great place to get a bite and unwind after work, no matter what your schedule is in the 24 hour city that we call Las Vegas. So I'm, I'm hoping we could tackle this in two segments. First, we'll talk about the food and then we'll discuss the bar and gaming. So to kick it off, I'm joined by Distill's executive chef, Jeff McCarthy. Um, Josh, Josh, tell me your last name again. I'm sorry, man. Uh, Fiatek. Josh Fiatek, the yeah. kitchen manager for um, Distill's Summerlin location. And Brian Slipop, Slipok, excuse me, Slipok of good. Jackson's Bar and Grill. How are you guys? Good, good, good. Great. Yeah, cool. Right. So did I get anything wrong in my intros other than mangling everybody's name, which is just a thing no. that I do? No. <laughs> no, you pretty much nailed it, yeah. Okay, so you guys, I, I want to get a little bit of the backstory. Um, Jackson's has been around, I feel like it's been around as long as I've been in Las Vegas. Is that true? I, I don't know when he I've came to Vegas. 20 years. Yeah, we're, so, we're in our 19th year. 19th year. Okay, so Jackson's is cool. Now, it was named after, I think, your six-month-old nephew at the time. So oh, nice job, yeah. So that kid, man? He's uh, 19. <laughs> 19. At tomorrow. Wow. Well, 20 tomorrow so yeah happy birthday jackson so you guys are really well established here um how distill i remember i used to go to a spectators that was over on durango i believe and one day i walked in and it was a distill and i don't think that was the first one but that sort of seemed to be when distill was expanding out so how how old is this chain uh this chain is about seven years old we started off with distill summerland location it was our first one that we opened up and then we transferred into Southern Highlands and then Centennial Hills. Our Centennial Hills location is going on about five years right now as well. Uh, we also have two Remedies locations, Remedies 1 and Remedies 2. We call them uh, St. Rose and our Conestoga location. Remedy St. Rose has been around for about 15 years, and those are the two locations that pretty much uh, started the distilled program. Okay. Yeah. So I think there are certain common aspects, correct me if I'm wrong, about what it is, what it means to be a gaming bar. I think you have to have a certain number of machines to have a license. Yes. I believe you have to be open 24 hours and you have to serve food. Am I correct in all of that? Uh, well, it has to be 15 machines, definitely. Um, you don't have to serve food and you don't have to be, like, there's certain times where you might have to shut down the graveyard shift. We don't have to keep, you know, we have to shut the bar down when that happens as okay. well. So if maybe Brian or... Someone else wants to. Our, our license is a little different. Yeah. As long as we have, as long as our, we can have gaming as long as our kitchen's open. So we have everything open 24 hours. Okay. Because, yeah. yeah, when I first moved to town, I thought that that was the deal. Then I remember there was a weird Dottie's thing that went on. And Correct. it kind of became like all you had to have was fucking candy or something. I don't know, like gum. And that was your. <laughs> Correct. Yep. Mean, it's weird. I mean, that's re if you're from out of market, this is still Nevada. It's still kind of the wild, wild west really with is. licensing out here. Uh, it gets weird. But, you know, all of you play, all, all of these places are places that when people get off their job on the strip, when they're on their way home everybody has a local gaming bar in their neighborhood and that's where you go for a bite or for that after work drink that you need and most people in this town run a 20 through the machine when they do that at the yeah. very least right and, absolutely and that's a big portion of the market right yeah 100 percent 
Cool. So the reason that I have both of you guys here is um, because both of you, the both of your restaurants, both of these restaurants are on the neon feast list of gaming bars with great food, along with Big Dogs, Born and Raised, Starboard Tack, um, Sticks, and to be frank, and Golden De- mm-hmm. Golden Tiki. Yes. So it's a pretty solid list of people. Nobody gets onto that list without a lot of fans among the pro foodies I interviewed for that that app. Jackson's fans um, included Anthony Curtis, who knows gaming and video poker probably better than anybody in the world from Las Vegas Advisor and also Colin Fukunaga who's a um, of course the founder of Fuku Burger he's a fan of your one pound ribeye steak and eggs especially after midnight um, Distills fans include Lindsay Stewart the Las Vegas foodie Elaine Scott Harris Rob from Thrillist who says your food is underrated yeah, uh, we quoted I love it Rob. there um, but thanks to guys like <laughs> Rob I think it's been rated pretty high yeah so Let's talk about your menus, because what I like about both of these menus is you go beyond the chicken wings, the fries, and then the the bullshit sandwiches and burgers that other people have. So I'm going to hit you both with this one at a time. Let's start with you, Brian. What's it take to make a great gaming bar menu? What The way we did it is we went with traditional foods, but we made them really well. So we have the traditional appetizers, like you were talking about chicken wings, chicken fingers, but then when we came to other entrees, like our steaks, our fireball chicken that you talked about, just something that ups the game a little bit. Something that's unique you can only get from us. Okay, cool. And now, Jeff, I mean, I, I look at your menu. Every time I look at your menu, there's some weird shit on it. Always. Like, I forgot about, Always. like, calamari sticks are yeah, on there. Yeah, and- we take the whole calamari breast and julienne it down, and we do a country fry, a little buttermilk, uh, buttermilk uh, marinade, and then right into seasoned flour. So, yeah. And, Josh, before we started rolling... We're talking breakfast. Breakfast never stops at Distill, right? Yeah, it runs 24-7. That's what I like to hear. Same at Jackson's? Yeah, we're 24-7 as well on breakfast. So here's the weird thing, because, you know, at the two extremes of food preparation, there are chef-driven restaurants. I mean, I'm not talking about it has to be four-star, but just chef-driven restaurants. And then there's what I call freezer-to-fryer, often disparagingly referred to as freezer-to-fryer. But... You have to be kind of open to more of a freezer to fryer than a chef-driven model when you're stuck staffing the kitchen 24 hours a day and there could be long time. So where do you guys, each of you, think you fall on that spectrum? Are you more chef-driven or are you more convenience-driven? Uh, we're, we're 100% chef-driven. We make all of our own dressings. Uh, we make our own egg wash. Anything we can, we make. We're breaking down our chickens. We're breaking down Terrace Major for our steaks. Um, we just really control our pars, and we really just manage that prep list day to day. We really run a restaurant uh, program um, in our kitchens, and that's you know that I hope that shines through to the guests as well. But except for Rich, who hates when anything's called a program, right? yeah, and I hey, or or be just added to the list collective, collective. Yeah, we'll compound to your list real quick. Right, but right. hey, but I'm all about programs. But anyway, uh, yeah. So you know. Um, it has to be from scratch. I wouldn't be involved in it. You know, I'm not going to get, you know, we might buy a solid chicken tender. We're not, we're not making our own chicken tenders because I'm not trying to compete with other chains that do that. And, and let's be fair. I mean, yeah. you're wearing a still chef's uh, outfit right now. Absolutely. That also says U.S. Foods on this. Yeah, so, you absolutely. Know, you certainly are, you know, you're not farm to table, but no, we're not higher quality. Yeah, absolutely. You're putting your, yeah. a scratch kitchen to a exactly. certain extent. You know, and if I can get my wings, they're never frozen. Our burgers are Angus. They're never frozen. If I can get all my proteins from out west. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. You know, I try to get the best the best food I can in quality and start from there. Cool. Yep. And how about you over at Jackson's? We're about 70, 30 percent uh, frozen versus fresh. Uh, a lot of the staples that we bring in for our appetizers will be frozen, but our chicken wings are not. We bring those in our fresh. And the majority of our entrees, we also, you know, cut our own steaks. They're always fresh, never frozen, 24 hours a day. Uh, our sauces we make, our dressings we make. Our soups are homemade, so we're about 70% of everything that we make is, uh, you know, is fresh, never right. frozen. Cool. Now, Josh, when you are within a, a large family like Distill, how much creativity can you take at an individual restaurant, and how much are you tied to the corporate so that it's going to be the same at every Distill? Um, I mean, Jeff pretty much gives me free reign to run any specials that I would like to. If I If I want to be creative, he gives me that option, so... I mean, honestly, 100%. Obviously, we, we run the same menu always, but if I have some extra product that I need to use, he allows me that creativity. Okay. So for both of you guys, what do you sell more of? Wings and burgers or, um, or some of these clever dishes that you come up with? Uh, well, 
<laughs> it's wings. No matter what, it's wings. I, I, I can put a sticky short rib on, citrus grilled mahi, no matter what. Our menu trends, it's wings, fingers, you know, it's still it's still those items. that. Which is so with. gross because I do I not want my hands covered with wing sauce when I'm playing video poker. <laughs> I mean, like, exactly. I don't want anything right? that I have to touch to my face while yeah. I'm playing video poker. But yeah. how about you, man? Yeah, More no, wings? Wings and burgers, like you said, <laughs> yep. that's our number one uh, seller overall is our wings. And then our steaks and our burgers are, are number two and three. So then what inspires you guys to go that extra mile and create something that's better than just burgers and wings when many have demonstrated you can make good money at video poker without putting out good food? But yeah. you guys choose to put out good food. So what's the inspiration? We just use it as a, as a way to get people in the door. You're going to come in for our $20 ribeye. You're going to put money in the machine. So I want to have a better steak than, you know, three blocks around me or four blocks around me in every direction, whatever bars are doing there. Same with our chicken wings, our burgers, everything like that. We just put out our, our, our best top-notch food, use that as a tool to get people to come in. Yeah, Brian nailed it. You know, we, we do these special items and, we you know, we do a surf and turf. You know, we, we want to bring people in. But on the other side of that, we want to keep people in their seats. Mm -hmm. We want to be the one-stop shop. You know, if you're here, you're eating with your significant other, your wife, and she wants to have a grilled salmon or grilled mahi, you guys might have to go to another location or another restaurant for that period. But here at Distill, you can sit, gamble, she can get her salmon, you know, you can eat chicken wings, whatever you want. You know, it's that one-stop shop. You don't want you to leave. Are in, in each case, are your full menus offered 24 hours a day? Yes. Yes, 24. Yep. Cool. And that is that is just what makes it a Vegas experience, right? <laughs> oh, because yeah. Because you yeah. get anything, anytime. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and we are a 24-hour city. And I think you guys, probably more than anybody else, you may see more food industry workers than traditional fine dining restaurants see because those guys are working yeah. when the fine dining restaurants are open. Yes. When they're off work, they're coming <clears> into your place. So... I would think that there's an appreciation for quality with the people that are getting off work on the strip. It's nice where we're located. We're by, you know, by the Palms, by the Gold Coast, by the Rio. They get off work at, you know, one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning. They don't want to go home. They have a pocket full of money from their tips and they <laughs> come to us, you know. <laughs> exactly. They have they the ability to go anywhere and they st we get them all the time yep. coming in for breakfast and, 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 you know, dinners. Do you guys count meals as well? Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's cool. a big part of the program. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So is it important to always have a player's card, even if you just go to these places yes. to eat? If you're I would think so, yes. All the time. We yes. tell people all the time. Yes. And I, I've, heard, I've heard everything from people saying, oh, I'm not lucky when it's in. <laughs> or it does something. But no, <laughs> let me tell you. Tell people, get a player's card. We can track you, and we can give you more and tailored deals for what you like to do always get a player's card yeah absolutely and that way we can send out emails tailored to that player as well too hey thank you for spending or hey we haven't seen you in a long time come in yeah i i do like to talk to the <clears throat> beginners and people who aren't used to this because i hope that we have out-of-towners that listen to this and i really like to get people off the strip and exploring and you know they're visiting neighbors um so let's talk about what those bar buddies are Let's talk about eating at the bar while you play oh, video yeah. poker and you've got a fucking steak dinner yeah. uh -huh. and you've got these weird wobbly things uh -huh. that look like they're death traps, but they actually hold food really yeah. well right mm -hmm. over it. So explain the bar. Does anybody know the history of them, like where they came from? No. I do not. I, I do. I don't. No, I, I, I don't. I think I we should know. So, yeah. so explain what they are. And like, it's basically so you can eat at your at your machine. Yeah. It, it makes a flat surface. Yeah, pretty it makes much. a flat surface. Shelf. Like, yeah, the bars a lot of times like have a, um, little ledges on them. These create a just flat surface for the plate. Yeah, uh, you can play, you can eat your food, and everything's just level and, and sturdy. It's like the old school TV tray. Yeah, you, know, you yeah. Just sit down, and you know it's pretty much that same. Concept. And when you're eating, when when you're designing a plate, you have to make sure it's going to fit on those, I guess, right? Uh, I do not. No, uh, I don't. And, we we know the know. plate fits, so Correct. as long as it fits yeah. on the plate, right? Exactly. Yeah. So as long as it fits on the plate. So moving beyond the food and into what happens on the beverage side of the equation, we're going to swap out some people here. Brian, you stick around. You've been behind the bar plenty, and you've also brought on Lisa Collins over from Jackson's and from Distill, Kim Palmer. Kim, you're the GM um, at which location? At the Summerlin location. Summerlin location. But you've also spent your fair share of time pouring drinks and being behind a bar and probably arguing with people over their comps, right? Um, yes, quite a bit. <laughs> uh, how long have you bartended? How long have you ladies bartended in Las Vegas? I've done it on and off for 10 years. 
cool. longer than I'd like to say. <laughs> okay. Have you both always been gaming bartenders? And then the lead into that is, is, is or what that's the lead in for is, is gaming bartending a completely different animal than bartending elsewhere in Nevada? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you've both always been gaming bartenders? Yes. Yeah. Cool. And, and I know, I mean, it seems to me that gaming bartenders in this state, you, um, you have your own following. I mean, people will follow a bartender from bar to bar. And Brian, I'm guessing somebody in your position, you seek out bartenders with followings to bring them in or no? Yeah, no, absolutely. Whenever a position comes up, that's one thing we look for because I want you not only on day one bringing new customers to me, but you, I also know that you have the, in, the information you need, how to you know, f- uh, comp, uh, you know, follow the the computer system, um, do the taxables and things like that. How drastically different, for those of you that may have worked at different bars, are the comp policies and um, basically just, I mean, really the the workings, the day-to-day of gaming bars, is it drastically different from one place to another? I don't think it's completely drastically different. I mean, a corporate bar is going to be more fine-tuned than a smaller single own bar you're just gonna the inner workings are different but a comp policy is pretty much straight across usually it's 20 and it's one drink under seven dollars it's is pretty industry standard i agree with her completely and we are jackson's is the smaller singular bar so we are a little more laid back but yeah it's 20 bucks in you're getting one drink and then the more you play the more that we can take care of you okay now now there's the big issue because now again, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of look, the people who do this all the time. They have it dialed in, and I'm going to talk about what some of your high rollers may do at these places. But um, but the people who are the high rollers, they know how this shit works. They got no problems, right? But what I always hear from people when I say, "Why don't you meet me at this bar? Why don't you meet me at that bar?" Ah, oh, they suck. I played all night and I only got one cocktail, or ah, oh, I played all night and I only got this. Usually, I think the person's full of shit because I know how much they drink, and um, you know, and much like me, we forget what we drank. But that being said. The sticking point that I hear from a lot of people is if I put a $20 bill in the machine, let's say I hit a four of a kind, now I got a hundred, right? And then I play that hundred down to zero. It takes me all night to lose that money. I only got my one free drink comp because I only put the 20 bucks in. Is that the deal? Should I cash out that hundred when I get it, put a new 20 in if I want to keep drinking all night? Like how much do I have to really calculate that? Well, there's a difference between per se handle, which is the money that's going in and out of the machine and physical cash put in. So when you're playing that $100 off that you won, that's your per se handle or coin in. Mm -hmm. And for some of us that have been doing this for a long time, that was our bucket of quarters that you cashed out. Mm -hmm. And that's your handle and your in and out. And, you know, when we're running numbers, as you and I do, like you look at that and some, you know, if you're playing blackjack, that goes up a lot faster. If you're playing keno, that doesn't go up as fast. So when we're running our bartender's numbers, we look at that. But when you're putting that $20 in, you're technically only supposed to get that one drink. Do we look at that and say, oh yeah, they played that $100 down and take care of them? Yeah, we usually do. But theoretically, you probably should cash it out and put it back in. Uh, yeah. But yeah. then... Okay. Also, well, there, there comes something I mean, else into like that. You're kind of gaming the game then. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Because yeah. well, if you cash it out and put it back in, we could see more of what you're doing. I mean, this way we don't have to keep running over looking at the computer. Oh, did they put more in? Mm-hmm. Do we have to start them a tab? Cash it out and just keep putting it in. Because if you were going to gamble it anyway, why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people think they're saving you the hassle. Right. By not doing that. Right. But, um, okay. Cash it out and put it back in, man. Bing right there. That's you. You guys got what you got your money's worth out of this podcast right there with that. (laughs) Knowledge for life. And the other, the other thing (laughs) I'd like to add is that people think that they can also play one coin at a time (laughs) and then I play one coin at a time. I play it all night and then, you know, I, they didn't give me, no. So Max your friends bet. probably lie. Yeah, they got to play mm-hmm. at least five it's coins. It's not like the casino. You can't put five bucks in and drink all night long. 
You can't do that at a lot of casinos anymore either. Yeah, where's that casino? I want to go there now. They don't exist anymore. People gaming the big casinos if they can, right? If they can figure it out. I also have no problem with the casinos cracking down on them if they can. But, you know, I'm a little more sympathetic to the mom and pops, right? Don't try to game them. Don't try to, you know, not gamble and get drunk for free. And then you become an asshole anyway, right? And then say bad things about us for not comping you. Yeah. Yeah. It could be rough. So... Let's talk about the bartending at a bar like this. You know, I always joke with people that I bar. The people say, "Did you ever bartend?" And I say, "Yeah, I attended bar at CBGB's in New York. It was a punk rock bar, and I was in the pizza place. I was a beer tender, right? <laughs> like, and on the rare times that I did more than pour beer, if I ever had to bartend, it was the name of the drink was what was in the drink, right? <laughs> yep. like, you know. Now, is 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 a gaming bar? Do you, do you have a, a wider cocktail repertoire, or is it kind of beer tending, and the name of the drink is? <laughs> the drink depends on where you're at i mean at distill we have a full cocktail menu on top of our gaming on top of our food um so i mean you've got to have the cocktail experience with the gaming bar experience with i mean you're doing multiple jobs you've got to wear all of the hats and gaming bartenders you know you've got all of these brand new people trying to get into gaming bartending and they're like why can't i do it you've got these added excerpts added steps of service that these people don't have you've got to wear all of these different hats you've got to be the bartender you've got to be the server you've got to be you know sometimes the manager you've got to be you know the concierge you've got to be the floor person that has got to be taking care of this guest on top of the therapist and (laughs) the security guard and all of this that these people don't understand that you need to be Right. And that's what makes the gaming bartender so much more because it's those added steps of service that you're adding to. I flash back to the to the movie Casino and that mm-hmm. poor bastard. When you're casino slot, host too. Yeah, the slots <laughs> manager who gets taken and doesn't know what he's mm-hmm. doing and, and, and like that. And I, I, I feel for you, I guess. <laughs> it's a great job, but there's, I mean, it's extra service that you're giving these guests. And you have to be able to read your guest also to give these extra steps of service. Lots of steps. Lots of <laughs> yeah. extra yeah. steps. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Like, we serve a lot of beer and shots and mixed drinks, but you'll have people that come up and will order off-the-wall stuff, and you need to be ready to be able to make that for them. Can you make a Rob Roy? Pink Lady? Penicillin? Pink Google is amazing. Google yeah. is number one on my phone. When I briefly bartended on the strip when I was out of work, um, I always tell this story. Sammy D hired me when I lost my job with ABC News and I was getting into food writing. Hired me to work, work at First Food and Bar and I just sucked at it. I mean, I sucked. Every day I cried when I went home. And I, But I, I was using my phone, right, to try to come up with the things. And it was a horrible experience. But yeah, you can find that. Um, character builder. find everything these days. No, I didn't build any character. It, it built me the character to figure out how to quit because so many of my friends worked there that wouldn't fire me and wouldn't let me quit and finally I walked into the one manager who hated me and like couldn't fire me and I just went dude is this working out he's like I don't think so and I was like me neither I'm quitting he's like thank you thank you so much they won't let me fire you and then I wrote an article about what a shitty bartender I was because I figure what's good for the goose but I, I digress there um let's talk about jackpots Everybody comes in wanting to hit a jackpot. The Royal is the normal thing, although a lot of people like to hit a six spot or an eight spot on Kino. Um, I read a lot of bartender message boards, and there's so much bitching about the tipping that goes along with the jackpot. Now, you know, I mentioned Anthony Curtis at the Las Vegas Mm -hmm. Advisor. I've read a lot of his books on gambling and the, the ones he publishes, and I know that value players are not big tippers traditionally, and I see the tips that the bartenders expect on these message board and it seems a little like here's the deal if i hit a royal and i'm a serious player odds are good i lost five thousand dollars before i hit the thousand and then that bartender's expecting how much of that thousand when i hit in order for me not to be an asshole and that's the question because that's we live in a town of tips and reputations get around so if i hit a thousand dollar royal what's the standard tip What, what what makes me not an asshole would you like to come back there? Yeah, that's it. I want to come back, and I want you to like me. Yes. No, I consider myself a pretty good tipper. I'm not a fantastic tipper, but I also know that people take very careful notes about how much Al Mancini tips, so I try to consistently tip. But I don't gamble much these days, right? So what's a, what's a, a solid tip? A solid it, tip on a royal. 
would be a hundred bucks. Okay. Yeah. So usually industry standard, they say ten percent. Yeah. Okay. So people are going to either like me or just like me with my answer. Mm-hmm. Industry standard is ten to twenty percent. I've been doing this for a long time. It is a gift. The minute a bartender starts expecting something, is the minute they don't deserve it. You are taking care of these people. What they are giving you is a gift for how you've taken care of them. Mm-hmm. It, they're saying thank you for taking care of me. Yes, we all, the minute you start expecting it, is the minute you don't deserve it. And the minute they start bitching about it is the minute they don't deserve it. And I've done this for a long time. Um, yes, there's standards. Yes, people will come in and you say, we get all these people from out of town and they say, what, what, do, what am I supposed to do? And I always say, well, there's usually an industry standard of 10 to 20% and you can lead them into a direction of what they should do, but it's a gift. Yes, we all, most of us all work for tips, but you shouldn't expect anything. You'll always walk out of work with more money than you walked in with. <laughs> right. So, Correct. yes. Yeah, which most of your customers are not walking out of the bar with more money <laughs> yeah. than they walked in with. That's the whole point of Vegas. <laughs> you have the chance, and that's what There's makes it There's always that opportunity. <laughs> and I remember having a conversation with a gentleman who was a floor boss at Caesars. He had been there for almost 40 years, and he was a good player of mine on Graveyard. And he used to come in and say, you know, I may leave, lose five, $6,000 tonight. What you were saying. He's in this much money. He goes... I'm never going, he goes, it doesn't matter how much I win with you tonight. I'm never going to tip you over a certain percent. He's like, the most I'm ever going to give you on any jackpot is $600, no matter how much I win. And there's people that are, that will think that. Mm -hmm. And that's perfectly acceptable because it's a gift. Right. And I think people need to get out of that thinking, but there still is that industry standard thinking of 10 to 20% on a jackpot. And and we look, a lot of people who under tip, or uh, let's not say under tip. A lot of people who tip on the lower end of tips are doing it because that's what they believe is a proper tip. A lot of people don't know what's expected. And that's why I ask, what is the industry standard? Of course, everybody should feel free to tip how they want. I believe people should over tip. I also believe if I'm down $5,000 and I hit 1000 and now I'm only down $4,000, it's really rough for me to give you $200 out of that that night, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I get that as well. And I'm sure now every bartender that listens to this is going to call me a cheap asshole. Sorry, that could be (laughs) rough I'm sure I've pissed people off too. (laughs) What's literally the, the, the biggest number you can win at a machine at a bar in one of these places depends on how your machines are set i know in our establishment right now the biggest jackpot we can pay out is sixty thousand dollars on kino oh ours is fifty thousand okay how frequently do you see something like that i see it about once a month wow wow let's talk about how the times that you do hit your jackpot and then they've got to call the guy Right. We've all been in that situation you know, you hit it and you're, you're drunk and you're happy and you got eleven hundred and ninety nine dollars because a lot of them are set at that. So you don't have to fill out a tax form. That's a whole other issue we can go into. Um, and I'm waiting for my eleven hundred ninety nine dollars. And then it's an hour wait during which time, like, you know, well, those, those we can pay out. It's mm-hmm. once you go okay. above twelve hundred above or um, I'm sorry. 1200 and above, we can pay that out, too. Okay. Once we get above 10000 then we have to wait for Okay. Yeah. I've okay. actually had people have to wait for smaller jackpots, probably like maybe a $1,500 progressive, $1,800 oh. progressive. I can remember waiting for those. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm talking back 20 years, no. and I was, you know, whatever, intoxicated, right. so maybe it's changed. So I was curious about that. Let's- I'll, I, I got to tell you the, the anger story of all time that way. About a month ago, I'm at the Golden Gate with Scott Robin of Vital Vegas. We're killing time before we go over to do the podcast at the Plaza, which I also produce. I, he's on my left. I'm on my right in the middle of the bar at the Golden Gate. He's plug, He's got his money in. Mine doesn't want to work. The, the max bet thing for the button doesn't work. So I'm sitting there trying to do that. On his fifth pull, he decided to go to like $2 a shot. He had uh, quads with a kicker. 1400 bucks. And I'm sitting there. I haven't played yet. And he's waiting and waiting for somebody to come over and and do the thing. So I go to the machine on his left. And I play, I don't know, 10, 12 hands at a buck a shot. I got nothing. And I got to go across the street to set up all this gear you see in front of me for the podcast. He's still waiting for the cashier to come over to write him a check or give him the money for the 1400 He puts in money there on a dollar. And it's quads with a kicker. The machine I just left. This day. Yeah. I know. I know. It's just the random number generator and it had nothing to do with me and all that. But 
God. Still makes you mad. Damn it. <laughs> okay, that, that, that brings okay. it up. How superstitious are you as bartenders who see this all day? Are you, Because I am amazed. I'm a numbers guy. I believe the random generator doesn't know what I got yesterday. It's not going to, you know, not going to give a shit, right? The, the cards have no memory, as they say, right? So I believe that 100%. I have a lot of bartending friends who see it all day that will still call their friends and say, this machine's set to go off. This machine hasn't gone in a while. This one's going to go. This has to happen. Are you guys superstitious? Do you think machines get hot? I mean, of course, some things get hot and cold, but do you buy into that? Do you gamble more on a hot machine, something like that? No, I'm going to sit down where I'm comfortable at, whether it's been paying out or not or... No. I'm not superstitious, just a little stitious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that one. We all have favorite machines. Yeah. Okay. Um, the final, final thing I want to get to, because I think for those who are outside of this industry or this town, they don't know. How much money does a high roller go through in a night? Because, I mean, I've sat next to billionaires that we all know. Um, at video poker machines, and I've seen them run through some serious ass cash. There's there's some money that goes down. What's what's a high roller? What's a big spender that you see on a regular basis? That's a big spender. They'll throw in a couple thousand dollars and not think twice about it, and then you'll see them the next day, and they'll do the same exact thing, and it does not bother them one bit. I mean, I have people that go through tens of thousands in a day. Wow. Well. So that, when you wonder why you're not getting your um, your free vodka and cranberry for your sh- your third free <laughs> vodka and cranberry for your shitty twenty dollars, the official the drink of Las Vegas, one quarter at a time. Um, yeah. yeah, that's because the guy over there that they're taking care of, he's doing that and he's tipping well. That's about all I have to say. I want to thank you guys so much for your time. I hope we shared a little bit of information about the world in which you live. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Thanks, so. This is Food and Loathing. It's time for a little news, and if you are a fan of agave and the intoxicating beverages produced from it, you're not going to want to miss the te- tes- that that the tesquila. No, tesquila. You didn't even you didn't even do a typo on that. You did a even, verbal no. typo. I just had a verbal typo. <laughs> That's a whole new level of something. You're not going to want to miss the tequila mezcal festival that will run from May 2nd through May 15th at Jose Andres's China Poblano. You'll want to try the festival cocktail called the Pina Poblano, as well as a limited time flight featuring Maestro Dobel's Diamante and Pavito tequilas. To complement those, Chef Carlos Cruz Santos and his team have created a special springtime menu to pair with agave spirits, including a seared queso a la plancha that pairs with the Pina Poblano. Honestly, China Poblano... For a long time, that was one of my favorite Jose Andres restaurants in Las Vegas. Um, I think it's definitely the one you want to go to if you're on a budget. It's the one that's, I mean, everything's unique that he does, but this idea of mixing Chinese and Mexican cuisines together, kind of in recognition of the old trade route that went through the the Manila galleons that um, one of the, the French, or excuse me, one of the Spanish kings sent, I think, uh, Ferdinand had these galleons that went from Mexico to Philippines. They brought Chinese spices. That's all reflected in the China Poblano menu. And um, I think it's always worth just giving Anything a shout out to how Andreas cool this is. Yeah. Is, uh, is connected to, you know, it's going to be an experience. You know? I feel educated because I've always said China Poblano. <laughs> Well, see, that's why we see, keep what you a, around. What right? a peasant I am. Gene all. Uh, also worth noting, Star Wars Day is nearly here, and our friends at Black Tap are creating some May the 4th specials. And since I'm a sucker for Black Tap shakes and a diehard Star Wars fan who waited online at theaters to see The Empire Strikes Back on opening day, yeah, I'm that fucking old. I'll be getting <laughs> oh. it. I'm just not sure if I'm going to be on the light side or the dark side with my shake. Light classic shake, electric blue vanilla shake, silver and blue galaxy. Yeah. Sprinkles, whipped cream, and chocolate drizzle, or the Dark Sides Classic Shake, Wild yeah. Cherry Shake, Red and Black Sprinkles, Whipped Cream, Chocolate Drizzle, and a Cherry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, man. If you're a sucker for Instagramable moments, Black Tap is a fucking great place. Yeah. And I mean, I say a whole family can yeah. share one of those shakes, honestly, but yeah. um, I like them. Can I you like get a half and half? Like, that's what you want. Now, both of you East Coast guys have been here on the almost West Coast for what, 20 years? And all yeah, 15, I got 20 a few, years. Yeah, oh, five, yeah. We have to get you the memo that when you're here, you wait in line, not online. Online is the East Coast thing. In line is the West Coast thing. I don't wait. That's the first time I heard that. I swear. <laughs> wow. 
Okay, Rich. Well, hit us with yeah. some more dazzling. Oh yeah. Brilliant. You are a fan of California wines. I recommend you check New York Magazine. Its site uh, before the paywall kicks in, you get a couple of free stories. And the one right on the front page right now is the lingering effect of the wildfires of two years ago on wine. Mm-hmm. About thirty wineries were just ravaged, totally destroyed by the flames of 2020. But the grapes that escaped the flames did not escape the smoke. And the experts at uh, UC Davis have found varying degrees of smokiness in some 2020 vintages. And the term they're using is smoke taint. taint. <laughs> oh. yeah, because you always want to use the word taint. Oh, God. Said the word. Taint. <laughs> Definitely a marketing nightmare. And the wineries were initially denying such a thing exists, but they could not deny their own palates. And they've come up with something that's known as the West Coast Smoke Exposure Task Force. Now, the big problem is the smoke taint is not really evident in the grapes. It's only after fermentation and aging, like when you get the bottle of wine and pour it out, that the disagreeable taste emerges. Man, this could be, you know, a whole year's worth of Northern California Pinos and cabs uh, are, are lost. A little free advice to you, California wineries, just hire a good PR firm, the Smoky Wine. <laughs> pay extra for the Smoky Wine to get yeah. smokier with age. Tell them all kinds of shit, man. You could sell 99% of the public. Yeah. If you tell them it's good and they're supposed to like it, they'll yeah. pay extra for yeah. it. I agree, man. You just make up like a cool name for it, like a fire break. Yeah, fire wine. <laughs> who wants the fire <laughs> wine? I had a fire marketing friend in Seattle who was Australian and he had some connections back to Australian wines, and they were pouring out millions of gallons of wine a oh. year that they could not sell. And he said, no, bring it to me, mate, in, in Seattle, and we'll we'll put a fancy label on it and market it to uh, to 25-year-old women. And, God, he made a million dollars doing that. I forget yeah. the brand, but he had two or three brands that hit that target. The wine was shit, but it was uh, well <laughs> well sold. I mean, you know, shit and shit for the price of two different things, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is about it for this episode of Food and Loathing. And please tell a friend about Food and Loathing. Spread the word on social media. You can find the handle of your choice at Al's website, theneonmohawk.com. Reach us direct by email. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. Paid extra for that one. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't done it, download the Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next dining destination. From pizzas to plants, ramen to robata. Whatever you need, whatever you want, find it at the Neon Feast. And if you can't get enough of my voice and would also like to see my pretty face, you can <coughs> see me on the CW Las Vegas every other Wednesday morning at approximately 8.15. Or if you want to avoid the face and just hear my voice a little more, the Highway Drive, the yeah. Vibe Radio. I yeah. think we're on Highway Country. We're doing Neon Feast foodie updates. I think that's what we're calling them anyway. <laughs> yeah. We're just talking about food on those fine, fine radio stations. With producer Rich Johnson and our co-host Rick Moonen, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.